Do you like love? Are you a night owl? Then Late Night Love is a place for you. Since life is negative enough, here we discuss everything love. What we love, who we love, and why we love. So join us on Saturday nights at 11.30pm Pacific Time, and please remember, love everybody. Hey, there we go. That was a weird intro. It's left my mic muted. Technical issue. I should pay more attention, I suppose. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us here at Late Night Love. I'm feeling a bit melancholy, and I have control of the clipboard. No. Uh-huh, yes, I do. And we have no idea what's going to happen. So join us for a fun ride, because it should always be fun when I'm feeling melancholy, isn't it? We never know what the hell's we coming out. We never know what's going to come out of coming, your mouth. The hell's coming out of my mouth when we do melancholy. And, you know, the reason we're melancholy, it's been a rough few weeks. I know we don't talk politics here, but, you know, me being a politician and me loving my community and trying to love myself and take care of my own mental health and, and watching people I care about who are also on this campaign trail kind of struggle with the weight they have put on themselves. I'm specifically thinking of a young man who he's been on the campaign trail for three years and he's 20, like 25, 26 and he's been campaigning for office for three years and he's starting to feel the weight of this unobtainable um, set of standards he set for himself. And so, you know, he's facing that crisis of confidence. And many of us, you know, who belong to small parties and kind of out of the way political runs, we struggle with that same crisis of confidence, that same weight, because you're asking people to trust you and to believe in you. And with little real hope of accomplishing anything more than maybe changing the dialogue a bit, maybe helping just something, maybe inspiring the next generation of leadership who actually can make a difference, whatever it may be, you kind of have to be satisfied with a secondary goal. And it can weigh on you. And I know me, early in this process, the very thought of trying to run a standard campaign quite literally made me sick. And it got to the point where even trying to say, okay, I can't run a normal campaign. We have to kind of figure something else out. Even a hybrid campaign where I decided to ditch some of the uglier parts of politics to some of the more divisive parts of politics that I, uh, still, it still literally ate away at me. And, you know, it was taking a mental and physical toll. And so in a strange sense, this whole coronavirus lockdown gave me a chance to stop, kind of throw all that out into the trash and and invent a new way to run for office. And that's what we're trying. When you have little hope of winning, you can try crazy things and, you know, being open, honest, not promising anything, just telling people what you, how you plan to operate is a crazy thing in today's world. But it's also the most loving thing I can figure I can do for my society and my community 
and myself at the same time. And so really the difficulty has been for me. And I can see it happen in, you know, some of my, these good hearted people who are also running that weighs heavy on them. And that heavy weight, that weight of responsibility, that weight of wanting to help make the world a better place. And the realization of it is that you're kind of fighting an uphill battle, but you're fighting where I don't like to use the word fighting. So we're going to change that, but you're trying, you're trying to make a difference in the world. We're trying to make the world a better place. And while it may not seem we are making the world a better place now, you know, the future is not written and every input has an equal, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. It is a fundamental rule of, of nature. It's a fundamental rule of life. It works in absolutely everything. And so what you put into the world, you will get something out of it. It's just not always predictable where. But if you put bad inputs in, you will get bad inputs out. You just don't know where. You put good inputs in, you will get good input out. You just don't know where. And so what I say to all of those who are out there trying their best to make a, a, the world a better place, a more peaceful, a more loving place, just keep trying. Because in the long run, Love is the thing that keeps humans together. If it wasn't for love, we couldn't live in a society. This wouldn't be possible. So, with that, we're going to try to find something. Uh, I don't well, know. Well, I have, come on, I have one tucked away in there. If you'd let me, my. <laughs> My questionnaire that I that I had for tonight was found short. Your question? Well, it's not that it's found short. It's just not phrased in any way that we can realistically get uh, good deep conversations out of them without having to go through and rephrase them. And, right, and right, right. And that, and that takes a lot of work. And add some time together. And we didn't have time to do we that. We didn't have time to do that. This week. And so it's a little disjointed over there. But we're going to ask you, we asked, we did a question last week about why do men hate shopping? So I'm going to ask you, why the hell do women like shopping? Well, you never know what you're going to find. It's the store. It's the same stuff every time. No, it's not. There's new stuff. You can find, um, you can find uh, things on sale. You can find all kinds of things. But you're finding something you didn't need because you're just going to look for stuff. How do you know what you need if you're just going to look for stuff? I don't understand. No, but you may not know it. You may not know it and you find it. I pretty much know everything I need. Now, there's lots of stupid stuff I want, but that's not the same thing. <laughs> but I don't go to the store to... to look and see what I might want. Yeah, there might be new stuff. There might be stuff on sale. There might be a shirt that you really, really like. You, you Or you might find an outfit for Christmas. You don't need a perfect outfit. It's the hunt. You, I mean, you go and you, you know. It, it is, man, we can really get down to the, it really is evolutionary. Back to the evolutionary days. Men go off to get the deer or the bear or whatever they're hunting. And women go off and forage and look for whatever they can they can find that's usable. 
And it, is it really, are we really still that base, that close to the caveman? Man, I, I've always kind of said that we're literally just one step out the cave. We, just we are, know. we are. But we really still are just one step out the cave. Now, you know, these traits aren't universal, but across the broad spectrum, and <laughs> we really, really are. Sometimes a, a sack of instinctive animals just kind of banging around trying to make our cave person brains work in the modern world. Yeah, you go out, you pick berries, you might find some new kind, some special flowers. You don't know what these do, you know. <laughs> I really don't get that. <laughs> it's like, what? No, go in, get what you need, stop by, get a candy bar, and then get out. No. That's it. No. That's it. Well, you also have your list of stuff that you need because you can't go there. And what if you forget stuff that you need? I mean, that's just. Well, if you really needed it, you wouldn't forget. No, not true. Not true. You could forget. Nah, it's just money. Wouldn't have, just money needlessly spent. Man, we're, men are so different. Needlessly spent. If you need it, you need it. It doesn't, how can you be needlessly spent? Well, if you needed it that bad, you would have remembered to buy it. This is how men end up having to go. We go to the store and we come back home and then we send you back for one item. Yes. Because we forgot. Yeah. And of course, we just go, okay. (laughs) Well, we're going to need it in a week. I've got a whole week to be go stop by the store at some point that is convenient, but I got to go now. Okay, okay, I have something. All right. Shouldn't wait till after that. <laughs> okay, now this is dealing with your your relationship with your adult child. And this is an article, the six things you shouldn't say to your adult child. So the, we're going to discuss. Get out. Oh, sorry. That's, we're going to discuss these and we can, what we're going to come up with. There's some that are better. I'm sure we can come up with some better ones. Okay. The first one is, have you lost weight? Well, Home five minutes and mom asked, have you gained weight? Well, but. I don't understand why you wouldn't ask if you lost weight. I mean, multiple guys don't really care one way or the other. We know exactly how we look, and we don't really care. So I'm assuming that's to an adult woman, adult woman, child. Because men don't, as a you know, as a general rule of thumb, men don't care. Hey, have you lost weight? Yeah, I stopped drinking so much beer, or I stopped eating chips. In my case, in your case, you just stop eating chips and you lose five pounds. That's so not fair. <laughs> Hey, I don't know how that happens either. I lose more weight than I was eating in chips now. It's not even a question. I, I don't understand. You don't eat that many chips. That's what I'm saying. I, but there's something about the chips. They just they, they make whatever else I'm eating stick. I don't know what the hell it is. But there is something about chips. Okay, but, so this article suggests instead of saying that, I'm so glad you're back. I really missed you. In other words, don't mention their weight. 
Well, but if well looking, here again, they know they've lost weight. They what if they're looking they good? What weight? if they've been struggling and they're away at college or something? Well, they put on some pounds and they were starting with their weight and they came home and they lost 15 pounds. Like, hey, you're looking good. Sweet. Glad your diet's successful. What well, if, if you know that they've been trying to diet, then yeah, that's being supportive. But if you're just going to come out of the blue, hey, have you gained weight? Well, they said lose weight. Why would you not test them? Well, actually, it's lose weight or gain weight. Well, why? Okay, well, you may not want to ask them if they've gained weight because they may have something to tell you, and that's not how they want to ask to answer the question. Mm. <laughs> so men don't care. So there's also that, as most men don't really care. So you can say or not say it. It's not going to make a difference. But if you have a young woman, it's just come home. She's from college. She's probably not having to move back home. She's probably not in the best mood of spirits. She's lost a few pounds. You should probably mention it. Give her a pick her up. Tell her she's looking good. It's nice, especially if you know she's been dieting or working out or something. Well, yes, I agree. Being supportive. Yeah. I just, you know, it's with all things. We, I think we talk about a lot here. You've got to understand your particular relationship whether it's with your child or your lover or your boss or who, or your best friend, you've got to understand your relationship. And so no, none of these rules are hard, fast. You have to take into account. You have to be thoughtful person and mindful. It's just the way life works. Life takes a little bit of effort. Just freaking does. Okay. What you got? Yes, it does. Okay. Our second one. What is that on your face? It's my nose. It's, I know it's big, but it's not my real nose. It's Good. got broken twice. And the doctor said I got a $10,000 nose job about the second one. Or was that the first one? I think that was the second one. It was the second one? <laughs> yeah. So this is a $10,000 nose size, which should tell you something about how my nose used to look. <laughs> I like your nose. What's wrong with your nose? It's been broken twice, and it's no longer my nose. No, I didn't. So I can get a nose job. I just happened to get smashed by two falling doors. And 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 in high school I smashed my my nose into my friend's forehead playing football. He got a concussion. So I, you know, I think it was square. It was square. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, Vince, if you watch this, I still remember that. The concussion wasn't that bad. Or my second kick. No, whatever. I'm getting all messed up now, man. You don't even remember your concussions. This is not good. <laughs> no, he had the concussion. I had the broken nose. We're all good. I had concussions later. I know. I suppose it's possible I got myself a concussion on that one, too. But I don't think so. But the answer to what are you supposed to say, what's that on your face? You're supposed to say nothing. However, this suggests if your child shows up with an actual bruise or cut in her body, then it's legitimate to ask about it. Well, so they're talking about like a piercing or, 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 a, or a pimple or. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I don't know if I'd be able to resist, to be honest. But I have a goofy relationship with my kids, so you kind of have to understand you know, it's like my daughter, she gets tattoos. I tell her, you know, you don't put tattoos on a Ferrari, but I don't actually judge her by the tattoos. So, Well, no, summer, summer. So, you know, it's all good. Okay. It's just, you know how it goes. Yes. I'm not a particular fan of tattoos. I don't 
I'm not judge people who wear them. I, I just I don't understand the tattoos. Well, to tell you the truth, I mean, I have two tattoos, but I don't like seeing them on my children. <laughs> I don't know why, but I don't. Just, just the, I just don't get it, and but I don't have to get it, right? It's not my body. I don't have to get it. I just, I, I don't. Why would you want to do that? I, why would you want to? You're, why would you want? To, I have enough marks on my body that I don't want to be there. Why would I put some on there? That well, I, mine, mine has symbolism, but. Well, I know, and everybody. You know, has I could have got a piece of jewelry. God. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's other ways to do some symbolism there. You know, I'm just saying. Seems like a good idea at the time. Oh, I'm, one of them I regret. One of them I really like, and I'd still get to this day. Well, see, I'm not even necessarily sure it's necessarily should regret them. I'm just, you know, it's an awfully permanent thing, and especially when you're young. Yeah. But, yeah, whatever. I mean, <laughs> they don't bother me when I see some kid. Now, those people who kind of overdo it, mm -hmm. I, I do wonder about their mental health. I, I just, out of concern. Some people, Those people who go freaking full bore. Yes. Yeah. I'm not talking well, people who just kind of do a whole leg or something. I, I can get that. Those people who do both legs, their body, their arms, and their face. I'm going... You've got problems, man, and and it's fine with dealing with all the tattoos. It's great, but there's some psychological issues you should be dealing with while you're dealing with doing all of that because I just don't think that you're you're very happy if you're doing that. Mm. You're looking for something, mm. and, and you found it in, in getting tattoos. Mm -hmm. But is that really the healthiest way to go about it? I mean. I think you're avoiding something at that stage. But I also could be wrong. I'm no psychologist. It could just be, be projecting the fact that I completely can't understand can't it. Can't understand <laughs> it. And so because I completely understand it, when someone gets completely in it, I, it's got to be something wrong. And, you know, I could be completely wrong. It mm -hmm. wouldn't be the mm -hmm. first time. Mm. You know? Mm. Okay. Okay, our third question. Uh-huh. How come you hardly ever call the or text these days? Who me? No, that's what you're not supposed to say to your kids. That's what you're not supposed to Oh I can answer you why the you answer the question. So just instead of asking the question, answer it for yourself. They're children. They have lives that no longer revolve around you. And so when they need something, want something, you're no longer the first person they turn to because they're no longer children. They have adults. They have other resources. They have other things that they want to to go. And they may just not want to burden you. You know, they've been burdening you your whole life. They may be out of kindness to you, saying, I'm going to try to handle this, whatever it is, a different way. But it's also perfectly natural. We did it, every single one of us. And they occasionally they'll tell they'll tell me about something they handled and I'm like, why didn't you talk to me about it? You know, this was three months ago. And then, well, I thought you would be mad. What? Well, and you have to, you've got a really more connected relationship than the vast majority of people with your adult children. I text my girls. I'm in contact with all three of my girls every day. 
I mean, except for the children who live Now, here. that doesn't mean I hear from them every day. But I text. I usually do. I usually get a quick text back. But if I don't get a text back, I just figure they're very, very busy. And they'll get back to me when they have a chance. Well, see, me and my children, despite the fact that we're all very close and we talk about anything at any time and all the various things, uh, we actually don't talk very much. We're a house full of boys, and my poor daughter was raised in a house full of boys, so she has lots of boy traits. And and that lack of you know desire for communication is one of them. She is my daughter. <laughs> she, she likes to be left alone, so... <laughs> So there is that, but you know, the boys and you have girls. And so there is a difference between the way the boys and, and the girls naturally are. Anyway, the boys go off to the world. They go travel the world, right? They go off and do their boy thing, become men. And women are, you know, a little different historically. The world's more dangerous for, well, dangerous. I don't want to say it's more dangerous. It's differently dangerous. And so more psychologically dangerous for girls it's more physically dangerous for boys the world early when they're young well it's because the world's a strange place the world values boys young men almost nothing that's why we go send them off to to wars and it's why we go tell them to charge and it's implanted in them early women and children first that mindset of self-sacrifice as I'm willing to be sacrificed myself for the good of others is implanted in young boys from a young age. We know at some point, whatever that age is, you no longer care. You're no longer the first person to get off the boat. You're no longer the first person to leave the burning building. You're no longer a child. And it happens somewhere between 12 and 13. Usually is when you realize that. It's like, no, you're now somehow responsible for all this other stuff. That's why a lot of boys who have no direction, who have no, they go out and they run in the streets and they become violent. It's because they've got no direction. There's no, there's no one to take that knowledge and direct it somewhere and give them something to focus that on. A lot of kids, young men turn to the military. That's why they're looking for some direction. And so they turn to a military. I did. I had no direction. Man, no direction. And so you, you turn to the military. Why? Because they'll tell you which direction to go. They certainly did. <laughs> and if nothing else, you'll have a direction while you go through those informative years of trying to build your self and your character and who you are. And so it's good for, for a lot of people. It was a good safety net for me. I always had some place to sleep, some place to, you know, something to eat. I had something to do. They always have something for it to do. You yeah. know, well, in college and, is one and way, I had, and I had time to spend on myself and get to know myself. Yeah, well, in college, does that is another way, is uh, another way, uh, another way of doing that. And you know, I did it, I started left high school, was working in you know, as a furniture mover and, and a delivery driver, and just kind of working my way. That's the other way to do it, and started with family, and that's kind of the traditional ways men, boys become men. Either you go off to the military, you start your family, or you go to school. Well, there's so many people who don't have that family structure to image to fall back on anymore. 
families are so disintegrated now. Forty percent of uh, of families are disjointed, something like that. Really? Where they're one, where it's a one uh, parent family. Mm-hmm. And and it's so important to have a, a dual parent family. People like to say parent, uh, father and mother. I think it's a dual parent as long as you have two people who have kind of a, enough difference in their parenting style where one is a nurturer and the other one is an encourager because women can have a tendency tendency it, in this house it's a little different you know with the <laughs> but but the, the tendency is for one person to be a nurturing spouse a nurturing the nurturing parent and the other person is the parent who kind of as a comedian I saw the other day she said she was like seven years old and, and she knew that she found the special egg. It would have five bucks in it and she had wanted five bucks to buy some special thing. And so she went out and on Easter and she went and she found the special egg. She got it up and instead in it was a piece of dog poop. Ah! Because, because, and she had had to work hard to get the egg. And so her dad sat her down and says, she was all crying. Dad sat her down and he says, you know, I, you you had clearly learned the lesson that if you work hard, you can get a good reward. It says, but now it was time for you to learn another lesson that you can work hard, and sometimes you're still going to get poop. <laughs> and, and she was like, "Well, to be fair, he now is the office manager for her law firm, so <laughs> she runs an all-woman law firm who specializes in in men's divorce and helping men through divorce." Oh. So, so he's your office manager. <laughs> so he's, nice. a, he's the office manager of an all-woman law firm who specializes in men's divorce. divorce. It, we live in such a wacky world that that kind of thing has to happen because the until recently the divorce laws were so one-sided towards women, and you can understand why because before that they had been so one-sided yes. towards men. And so, and so it's like this big, huge pendulum swung. Swung. And now I'd like to think it's getting more and, to the middle. Well, yeah, we can, hopefully we can stop it from swinging and start. Because there's some hard decisions. Really, the adversarial divorce system is just, it's, it's just criminal. It really is. And I, I know we're kind of going off the rails a bit here, but it really is. The, it really is criminal, the way it defaults to an adversarial divorce system. It, it does. That's just, it should be for the cases that other systems can't resolve. It should be a case of last resort, not the, the first thing. If you can dissolve a marriage without having to go through the court, without having to go through all that mess with people, both everybody kind of coming to an agreement as much uncomfortable as it can be, then that's how you should do it. I've been through both extremes. My first divorce was harmonious. And it was very harmful to everyone involved. And the second we went, we used lawyers. And this, my second divorce, um, we were able to work out an agreement ourselves. And it was much healthier for everybody. Yeah. Um, I divorced and a half i guess kind of my situation is you know complicated we're divorced but we're the paperwork never we stopped doing the paperwork because we saw it was taking us places we didn't want the family unit to go and so we essentially just stopped and never picked it back up again 
and we really need to finish it off now because there's no more excuses for the children because you know the, the kids don't have to deal with that you can you you perfectly you, you have been a condescended angel on this whole issue so don't, don't trust trust me i do appreciate it it's like you're a condescended angel on this i understand it <laughs> yes and i even agree to the point where with everything to a with, point to but, a point. but yeah. it still bugs the snot out of me and it would me, but again, I'd also understand why. And then, you know, I, was, I don't think about it that much. It doesn't, it's, well, it's not like, oh my God, this is wrong. It's, it's just like, it's like a toothache. It's a minor irritation that comes up every now well, and then. It, well, part of the problem is my very libertarian nature. I hate the fact that I've got to tell the stupid government that I don't no longer have connection to this person who literally lived in a, across in a different state for eight years, seven, eight years now. And our lives haven't been intertwined in, what, 13, 14? You must do the papers. <laughs> I must go get the paperwork stamped and pay my $300 or whatever. It's just, it's gross. And I just don't like it. But it's also stupid not to do it. But you know what? One at, day. At the moment, it's resources. But I have every faith in you that one day you will. And it'll be glorious. <laughs> And I'll be thrilled. And, and I'll be irritated, but not for the reasons that, that everybody else is going to think. I'm going to be irritated that I feel like all this stupid paperwork. But like, why, why can't I just go to the town square and say, hey, look, we live in Thinker, we're divorced now. Hello. <laughs> See you, Grace. She's over there. She'll say the same thing. <laughs> why do I got to go through all the rigmarole? Because then the lawyers wouldn't get their money. <sighs> Lawyers and their money. Speaking of lawyers and money, it is 2940 of the show, and we've actually gone through half of the show already, considering we haven't scripted Jack. <laughs> it's pretty good. We've been a little meandering, but I think I like women meander. I think it makes for interesting, you know, listening. But we are going to make I a break. I hope everyone else agrees. Yes, no, we're we'll going to make a break for our sponsor. And we're back from the break from our sponsor. Except not really the break, because this break gets kicked out of the show. So those of person who watches in, who is watching live, you get to see the special. So what else we got? We actually have a person watching live, so we should probably do the show. Uh, okay, yeah, I got my next question. Okay, this is a little lengthy. But you should not say to your adult child, it's all for the best. So-and-so was a jerk anyway. Well, what if he was a jerk? What happens if you badmouth the bad be badly behaving ex? You think your kid won't remember exactly what you've said and repeat it to the reinstated sweetheart? My children know exactly what I feel about their their partners, regardless. So I don't have to tell them anything new. But I've well, actually. I think they mean you know you don't. Well, he was a jerk. He did this. He did that. You know, you're not supposed to sit there and badmouth. Instead, they're saying, you know, how are you feeling? Do you want to talk about it? I'm here for you. Oh, they left anyway. Well, yeah. I I think you want to make things better. And dwelling on the past isn't going to make things better. So bringing up all the kind things. On the yeah, path. how unkind thing. Why would you bring up all the unpleasant stuff? That's not a very pleasant thing to talk about. They already know. 
yeah, now you've got some time to focus on yourself. Now you can focus on your art or whatever it is you had put aside to be to focus on your trying to put your relationship keep a rela a broken relationship together. So there are some things, um, but and it's so hard because different children and different adults and different people need different things. They might come, they might be coming to you because you know you're going to tell them he's a jerk and going to commiserate with you for that day. Well, that's okay. They can badmouth all they want. You're not supposed to. All right. So we're going to have to agree to disagree a little on this one. I think. I'm just, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to agree to disagree because I'm coming from it. From you become like the girlfriend, and that's a girlfriend. No, I'm the father. I'm telling you the cold, hard truths. <laughs> That's the difference. Ah, it's the cold, hard truth of fatherhood, man. Okay, number five. How can you live like this? You go to visit and they've got a week's verse of dirty dishes on the counter while complaining about mice and cockroaches. You know, I think that's none of my freaking business, how they choose to live. Who am I, Miss Judgy Wudgy? No, but I would, but you can go, geez, you could have cleaned up for me. But then again, that's a father. We're cold. That is cold, dude. Yeah. It's the difference between fathers and mothers. We can tell them the hard truths and expect it from us. Again, back with the seven-year-old and the and the Easter egg full of poop. It's <laughs> Easter egg full of poop. Okay, oh, this story. is my fun one. What do you expect me to do? Come on, man! You're the parent. You can't, you know. Say, how can I help you? You're, oh, not, wait. you're not there for... Are you actually asking me, of yes. all people, that question? Yes. The person whose most famous line of, of his children is, that sounds like a personal problem. What do you want me to do? Guy. Yeah. That is just, it sounds like a personal problem. That's my version of it. Sounds like a personal problem. There's a very good reason for it. I shouldn't solve all their problems. Doesn't mean you solve all their problems. Sometimes they just want you to listen. I heard them, and you know what I said? It sounds like a personal problem. I have to hear it in order to tell them that. <laughs> well, that's not very touchy feely. Again, we're back to the father thing. Fathers, <laughs> we're not. That's not our job. <laughs> touchy feely is not our father's job. Now we can do touchy feely when required. But for the most part, that's not our job. You know, I was actually very good at the touchy-feely stuff, despite with this, you know, I had to run a balance for a long time trying to be, so it was, you know, not always easy. And I'm used to raising boys. That poor, that poor daughter of mine. I really feel kind of bad for her. But I did my best. She's a lovely girl. Oh, yeah, she turned out far better than I 
good job raising it. That's one of those where the, where you know the sum of its parts is greater than its input or whatever. Good genes. I don't know. Okay, that was the end of that article. Uh oh. I have some quite relationship questions, but I don't know how much discussion. Well, hold on. I got some stuff over here. So yes. Oh, let's do the let's do the Trello things. No, yeah, here, wait. Why can't women just sit there and sit? We okay. I'm generalizing. Women often feel like they need to be doing something. No, I'm not talking. I'm talking about like this. The, the question, the original question that I'm flipping is that is that can men really just sit there and not be thinking about anything? Well, the f- other flip side of the question is if women are asking that question, why can't you all just turn your mind off and just do nothing, think of nothing? It's always busy. Mine is always busy. I'm thinking about what I'm doing next. If I'm not doing anything, I'm sitting there and I'm taking the time to think about my relationships. I think about my children a lot, my grandchildren a lot. I have friends. I have a friend. Shout out to my friend having a rough time. Love you. You're going to do this. And uh, so it goes to relationships. Is where my thoughts go. Well, so I can tell you actually what the men are really doing. We're actually, it's, we're not actively thinking. We're letting the subconscious work on whatever problem it is. That's called sleep. No, we sleep, we sleep. I, I wonder if men and women at dreams are analyzed, should be analyzed differently. I wonder if, if our I mean, brain. That's a, that's a good one. I'll do some research on that. Do men and women dream uh, differently? Well, are there dream, or there, is the dream used differently? Like, because we're different in everything else and how we process all the other kind of stuff. Why, so why wouldn't our brains process dreams differently? Or are they fundamentally different? Do men like have Superman dreams do, and women are dreams with relationships? You know, do women have soap operas in their dreams? And men have action movies? I, you know, percentages. I'm not talking universal, but percentages. Um, I'm curious now. I was never curious before. Now I'm curious. Of course, I'll forget in an hour, so it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Curious about a lot of things, actually. I've got got a million things on my plate. Do you want to know how waterboards operate? No. You sure? Yes. Either do I, but guess what? You know. <laughs> no, we're here to talk positive. What else you got for well, me? Uh, no, oddly enough, the uh, the waterboard in particular is actually operating well within parameters. I actually didn't. I the best thing possible happened is that there's just a communication error, really, essentially bad communication, which is not what's bad communication. What the waterboard? The waterboard was bad communication. The whole waterboard issue is essentially bad communication. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's just bad communication, okay. and it's not even necessarily anybody's fault. It's just these things are so complicated. There's so many moving parts, and, and mixed in with state mandates, and so everybody gets mad at the local water board when really the people that get mad at it, it should be mad at is the state. The water board is just going, you know, their hands are tied. 
I thought you were talking to me about waterboarding and interrogating a terrorist. No, I'm talking about the waterboard. <laughs> oh, so about the people Rio reeled into waterboard. Oh. <laughs> yeah, about people actually. I was going, why the fuck do I want to hear about waterboarding? Why does everybody else want to hear about it? Okay, no, I'm I talking about the waterboard, the people who do your water and sewer. Well, not okay. ours, but people who do boards who do what? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear about that either. Oh, God, yeah, it's enough to make your eyes bleed. But the, the positive side was it, it's just a miscommunication issue. It's a communication issue. Well, because it's very complex, and, and people forget that you have to go back and explain things that happened four or five, ten years ago to people because people just moved there. And so the information's all there. It's just it's not easily accessible in a format that new people can find, and so confusion reigns. And when confusion reigns, if you don't communicate properly, people get more upset because they well, may, yes, they yeah. get more and more frustrated because and the so lack of la and the and the lack of trust is just rampant, and so any miscommunication just bundles down trust. And anyway, now we've gone way too deep into a philosophical political thing for a show on love and relationships. Say <laughs> what? Okay, so when is up with soap operas? Why do women watch Days of Our Lives or whatever the heck? Well, they have the much term. more exciting lives than we do, for one thing. There's a lot of intrigue, and you don't know what's going to happen. Is the good guy going to win? Is the bad guy going to win? And, but, how, and the bad guy is winning. How could he possibly be winning? This is all wrong. You have to wait and see the, when the good the good guy is going to win in the end. But it never ends. No. Well, that's wrong. I was in Bangladesh for a month, and I got to see the end of a soap opera that the lady of the house had been watching for a year. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they do end. Okay, but you got to go to literally the other side of the world to find a soap opera to end. No, no, no. No, I know. Some soap operas have actually ended recently. Well, particular issues will end. And, of course, you have other ones going on. You know, and then it crops up again. So it's professional wrestling for girls. But it's about relationships. So it's professional wrestling for girls. I don't. I don't know. I've never. It's just surrounded around a hospital. Usually, almost everything I know surrounds around a hospital or police precincts, and so it's essentially it's like well, rest, things happen there. So, but yeah, but but wrestling, like we discussed last week, wrestling is is just around. It's just a soap opera around wrestling. Most of the time is spent talking. Yeah. I don't know. I've never watched a wrestling match. Yeah, you wouldn't be I couldn't, I couldn't, you wouldn't be I couldn't make it through. I tried. I watched them come out, and they postured, and that was that was some nice eye candy. No, I like but, the stunt show. But I don't watch it for the. I watch the stunt show. It's a hell of a stunt show. They it's couldn't kind of amazing. keep my interest. It was just well. If you don't like people slow. hitting, if you don't like people hitting each other with the chairs, and you're not gonna, no, really, not gonna I find don't. Them. But Hello? it's a trick. It's okay. It's mostly a trick, unless it goes wrong. I like people watching people on the soap opera go out to dinner and blow the car up that you don't get to see. You just have to hear about the car accident or the thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so you actually do want this stuff to happen. You just don't want to see it. Right. 
Uh, well, life happens. You just don't see it. <laughs> you talk about it. <laughs> okay. Now, why do you ask men? How do you look in an outfit? Well, for me, well, why did you? Okay, we're speaking me, for women. For me, there's it's multi-layered, but I'm feeling a little insecure to start out with. If I'm going to ask you, Mister Keeper of my outfits, you don't even know what I'm wearing on most days. You know, <laughs> um, if I'm going to ask you, I mean, I want your opinion. I'm not concerned with how the rest of the world is going to see me. I want to know that I that you see me as being attractive. That I'm acceptable. That I'm not going to embarrass you. Usually, it's a question with an outfit. Does you know? I'm wondering. Does it, it's it's a fashion risk for me? You know. So I'm checking. Okay, well, you know, if you're checking anything about fashion, asking a man is nine times out of ten the wrong person to ask. Well, we just want to know, you know, we're not bulging in the wrong places. Yeah, but that's the exact kind of thing we're not going to answer because it gets us in trouble. But we're relying on you. Which I'm saying is not smart. Because when women say things like, and now I know we've had this discussion from the men's perspective about what you should say, but I'm going to tell you what goes to the men's head this time when you ask that question. And, oh my God, all I see is minefields. How the hell do I get to that other side of this freaking minefield without stepping on a mine and blowing my leg off? You're not focused on answering the question. This is why we get <laughs> shitty answers. Yes, because we're trying to walk over a minefield of that we don't really know what the question is because we're overly simplistic. We actually think that the question is what the question is, but we know it's wrong. And so we don't know. Ah. <laughs> so it's like, you've got a minefield, but you got the wrong map to the minefield. Uh. <laughs> Deer in headlights, man. We don't know. <laughs> and your explanation is a perfect reason why. You just gave me five reasons why you asked the question. How are we supposed to answer that? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, how, how are we supposed to answer it in any shape anyway? <laughs> if we wanted to come up with the greatest lie in the world, I don't think we could write a script that would get us through. I, did, I don't think it would work. I'm not entirely positive. Well, we need to know if we look funky. You know, if it if the shirt is puckering in the back and it makes our butt look big. Well, now, if so, if it's hanging wrong, we'll say that. But okay, but but it has to be something blatant, probably before you. Well, we're this. sure the hell not going to say yeah. It shows off your tummy rolls. There's no way in fuck we're going to say that. <laughs> There's no way. It's not gonna happen. You could say, well, that 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 style is a little snug on you, hun. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> you blame it on the style. It's not wait. 
Like we're going to think about blaming it on the style. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking a little much there. <laughs> I think you should lower your expectations. I'm just pointing this one out, man. These are expectations from a girlfriend, <laughs> see? <laughs> we expect you to be a girlfriend at that moment. Yeah, you know this. They have this thing called video chatting now. Maybe you should actually video <laughs> chat with your freaking girlfriends. We don't have time. We gotta leave in two minutes. You got more time than asking our stupid asses. I just... <laughs> okay, so have some advice for you. Ask a question for you for young women. How do young women know when they're ready for marriage? How do you know when you're ready for marriage? Oh, my Lord. That's a tough one. Well, my grandpa said you should wait until you're 30. So to really know your mind, you have mm -hmm. to really know your mind. To know, That means you have to know yourself. And that takes time. It's But it's difficult. You know, you're 20 years old and you meet you know, that you fall in love and this is the one, you know, everything is lining up. You both want the same things. You, you've been looking for a while, you know, it's, it, who am I to say that that's not the love of your life? Yeah. Well, you could pass the wrong one. Mo, if you never catch the one again, right? What if, yeah. What if you, ne you never have everything line up again? You know, and now I now I don't believe that there is, you know, one person that is our soulmate forever for soulmate. Yeah, yeah, I don't believe in, in in soulmates. I've had some major connections with in my relationships, and I value every one of them. Um, but I've also noticed that what I was looking for changed as I grew older. But what I valued the most uh, um, changed. Um, when I had young children, it was, you know, is this person ambitious? But are they going to be able to contribute, you know? Um, and but after my second divorce, you know, I, before I met you, I was single for 10 years. And I, I prayed, all I prayed for was, God, please send me a man who's kind. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what he does. I don't give a hang about any of it. Just, I, he's just kind kind and prayers are answered you are the kind one of the kindest men i've ever known in my life well so, i'm not sure if it took 10 years of prayer necessarily answered well, <laughs> maybe I, you weren't ready for 10 years may oh i wasn't i wasn't ready for, i wasn't so i wasn't ready um for I was raising a, a, a daughter alone and I 
didn't want to have to do a step parent thing when when she was young. I knew that wasn't going to work for me. Someone coming in and telling me this and that, and I'm doing this wrong, and now we got to change. And I no, no, we're not doing nothing. So I just dated. I would come out of my shell and date and have horrible, horrible experiences. Dating was hell for me. I never did it well. And then I'd go back into my shell for another year. <laughs> Forget it. I'm just not going to do it. I'll just be alone, alone. Here I go down the road again. <laughs> Um, but I, I got to the point where, um, she was older and she, we, we were more comfortable and we had room in our life at that point for someone else. And I started, okay, let's take another look, started dating again and Shazam, I found you. So to answer when you're ready for marriage. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. that was a long question. No, that's actually that's a long answer. It changes over your life, what you're looking for. So I guess maybe we could, the, the answer So really is, know yourself. You really got to know yourself. Know yourself, kind of know what your future is. And if you find somebody, make sure they are kind of in the same place and the same understanding. Because... Relationships aren't just about you. There's a second person in there. And so you have to make sure that second person is in the same mindset that, look, we're going to evolve. And so we're going to have to evolve together, not apart. And that's the hardest part of a long-term relationship. Yes. It is, you know, a 15-year marriage. But it's, you have a tendency to kind of evolve back and forth. And it's very easy to not come back and just keep going. Even when you both really kind of, you just end up and so you're so far different. You, you become completely different people. And even if you want to, you can't. We're very different people, but we do things together. Well, not when I mean different people. You're different people from where you used to be or from where you needed to be. Not that Oh, I, I understand. You evolved into it because a, a, a good relationship, a good couple is literally coupled. It can get strained, it can get bent, it can get coupled. But when a relationship breaks, you become two people. And you can honorably try to want to put it back together. But you become two different people. And if you try to put it back together to the way it was, you're always going to fail. You have to let it be something new. And that's almost impossible to do. Not impossible, people do it. It's just not easy and it's not something i would encourage people to do but when he talks about getting ready for marriage i don't know if you're ever ready i think was my answer i don't think you're ever ready it's you have to determine if you're ready to take the risk if you're ready to take the risk and if that person is the person you want to take the risk with because personally i don't think you're ever ready because you never know what's around the corner you can't be ready for something that you don't know. But if you know yourself and you're brave and you have someone you trust, 
And you can. But I also think marriage is changing. I don't think young people today care about marriage the way we did. They don't care about the piece of paper. They care about the emotion. Mm-hmm. The ceremony, the formality of it. I don't think they care so much about it. That seems to be an after the fact. It's more like... <laughs> You know, a commitment ceremony or something, you know, that they, this is, we, we already had this. Well, sadly, a lot of them. And we're celebrating. It. A lot of them get the paperwork done for taxes. Uh, get the tax benefits. So there's tax benefits of raising children with the marriage, with the, with the marriage license. And so they get married for tax benefits. And, but of course, the long-term complications, if you want to. Separate Tyler Shirts worth the tax benefits. I'll pay the extra taxes. And I hate paying taxes, but I'll pay the extra taxes. <laughs> I'm a libertarian. I hate paying taxes. Let's see. We got anything else? I do have something on here. I forgot it. Where is it? God, I need to get my glasses so I can read this. Do, 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 do. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? No, we actually answered that question. Do we do that one? Well, I have one. All right, fire up because we got time for one more. We got three minutes. How important is it that you like each other's friends? I mean, Somebody you just really don't like. But he's, you know, a buddy. He always hangs around. We don't know why he's here. Oh, oh sorry. Um, he's obnoxious. What do you guys see? He's loud. He's, he's Well, the more, obnoxious, the more obnoxious kind of they are, then it generally means the more loyal they are. If you're going to put up with somebody who is obnoxious kind of doesn't know social graces there's a reason for it he has done something to earn that loyalty he has earned that you earn that loyalty that loyalty is not given it is earned and so the reason they put up with that kind of thing is out of loyalty it's an earned loyalty what exactly that is it's hard to say it's different for every friend group, but that is pure loyalty. And so it's okay to not like them because they probably will agree with you, <laughs> but it's what to do with that. It's, you don't want to cut them off because don't put them in the position of make, of forcing them to choose. You can, you can express yourself. Just do it with kindness and love. Well, no, you can't ask them to choose <laughs> a, a, a friend, between you and a friend. Oh, good heavens. No, no, you can ask them to say, hey, look, I don't like it the way Bob or, you know, when he says this and this and this. And, so, and you, okay, we'll deal with that. And usually if you talk to them about it, if you deal with a specific single issue, Bob would, you know, they'll change. Although, try. Try. They'll try it. And as long as they're trying, right? Right, 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 right. As long as they're trying, I suppose, you you, you know, it makes it easier. But that is loyalty. Or there's something wrong and they are out of loyalty. 
Ah. Maybe he had a head injury, and he's just not quite himself. So there again. may be something we don't know about this person. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, maybe there's there that that kind of commitment comes from loyalty, and that loyalty can come it's a foxhole. It's like you know, uh, in the military, your unit. You have a loyalty to your unit. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. kind of this. That's your unit. And yeah, he's a bit of a dick. But when you need someone in a foxhole, you want to, it's the guy you want to be with. Because when crap hits the fan, he'll stand there with you. And it's good to have those people around. You know, everybody needs those. You have your partner, but you need them outside too. You need people to come help you. Everybody gets stuck in the middle of nowhere. And need someone to come get them sometimes. You know? It happens. And so if you have a, if you have people who are willing to go out of their way for nothing, just out of pure friendship, those are the, usually the kinds of guys to do it. So if you have friends, if you're other significant person, doesn't matter, man, wife, boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, whatever. It's if you there have friends, there's a reason for it, and it's usually loyalty. I think it probably goes for women too. If you have an annoying friend and you kind of know they're annoying, why are they still your friend? Why? Mm-hmm. Because you usually feel sorry for nobody else will be your friend. Because she's so freaking annoying. <laughs> well, see, you're just, like I said, you're just an angel. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> and we're going to call that a night. Thanks to everybody for listening. Go to latenightlove.us to catch our, our podcasts. You can go to anchor.fm slash latenightlove. You can leave us a voice message where we can answer any questions on the air. Send us love at latenightlove.us. We can answer those. And I think I've got the love line again next week. So tune in for that. And as it is, thank you all for tuning in. And please remember, love everybody.